Good evening. Those I haven't seen yet, hello. I'm back. I'm going to repeat, start with some of the couple of things I said this morning for those that weren't here this morning so that it gets the link, if that's okay. Well, not, if it's not okay, tough. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I must stop saying that, if that's okay, because it's not about it being okay. It's that's what I'm going to do. But, um, and I've just said to Johnny, literally, how do I talk? The last four encounter services have been about going into his presence. And one of the things I was saying this morning is that God never, never leaves us, so we're always in his presence. So how do I justify that? To which Johnny came up with the perfect answer, which is yes. So I just thought that's fine. I thought that, that'll, that'll do perfectly. Would suggest, he, you, Johnny, you've been listening more than I realised. <laughs> okay. There you go, Alice, he does listen. That was, that was very quick. Well done. Let me pray. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege of walking in your presence moment by moment by moment, and then the privilege of coming into worship, of actually intentionally coming into your presence. Lord, we love you. We ask now, your Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord Jesus, would you pour out your Spirit upon us? Free us, enable us, transform us. Lord, we want those things we heard. We cried out this morning. We want freedom. We want to see the kingdom come. Jesus, we want to see you manifest among us. Lord, would you open our ears to your word? Open, your, open our eyes to your voice? And that sounds weird, but that's what we want. Open our hearts to your message. Holy Spirit, make us more like Jesus. Make us more who we are called to be. Help us to roar, Lord, like those mighty lions. Come, we ask, to the glory of the Father. Amen. So here's the reminder. Romans 8. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Basically, any human condition. Anything we can face. As it is written... For your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Summary. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We believe that, don't we? Did this this morning. We believe it. The problem is, as I said this morning, we have also believed something that completely contradicts it at exactly the same time. And this isn't one of those either or and the answer is yes, both. This is definitely an either or where, no, it can't be either or. And it can't be both. If nothing, if no human circumstances and then no spiritual circumstances, that's essentially the two lists there of the neither, either ors. If nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, nothing, then why do we believe that sin separates us from God? And I did this this morning. And I'm going to do it again, do it for the half dozen of you who were not there. I'm going to put the microphone down and I'll try and get louder, all right? <clears throat> How many times have you seen this taught? How many times have I taught it? We've seen it on Alpha, we've seen it on so many things. This is us. This is sin. This is God. Sin separates us from God. Therefore, God laid on him the transgressions of us all, and then taken away. The problem is, that is not true. And we've got to get a hold of this. I'm repeating it for those who heard it, because it's something we, we really ought to get hold of. And enough of you were nodding this morning, I'm hoping you're still with me. But that's not true. That's the problem. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Sin can stop us experiencing the love of God, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Paul is very, very careful. I don't just mean Paul at the back. The Apostle Paul is very, very careful in what he writes. He's an intelligent man. He's a man operating out of revelation. He's so full of Old Testament scriptures because he's a Pharisee. And the Holy Spirit has got hold of him and jiggled everything about a bit. And now it's coming out Christ-like shaped. All this, all this truth that's in him is just... And he is doing it deliberately. If he meant nothing, guess what he meant to write? Nothing. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And it's not just for those in Christ. That's how we can wiggle out of this and go, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
do we go on mission? Do we like to see people come to faith? Yes, is that part of our evangelical heritage? Yeah? We like to be evangelistic, holistic. We like to, you know, that's, that's the point, isn't it? The Great Commission and the whole thing. So when you go, God loves you, not that you are, to a non-Christian, do you really mean God loves you, but your sin gets in the way? We don't say that, do we? We say, God loves you. Come to, come to Jesus just as you are. It's an old hymn. Come to Jesus just as you are. But, in practice, what we actually do is get your act sorted out, clean yourself up, and then come to Jesus. That's what we actually do. When somebody walks through the door who's a bit weird and a bit odd and doesn't fit with us, we go, yeah. If I was to stand somebody in front of you who's a multiple murderer, what would you say they have to do to meet Jesus? Well, they've got to come in repentance. No, they haven't. They can meet Jesus. Hopefully, once they've met him, what they'll probably end up doing is coming in repentance. But we put the cart before the horse. We put the repentance and the need for change before the meeting Jesus. Bob Eckblad, the guy that did this conference I was doing last week, just blew my mind time and time again. He, <coughs> he takes scripture and he shows, showed me, and Chris will attest to this, Chris has heard him uh, teach as well, and shows you what the scripture means rather than what we have come to believe the scripture means. He shows you what the scripture actually means rather than what the Calvinistic doctrine has told us it means. And therefore stops us doing that intellectual wriggle to make it fit our systematic theology. I didn't use these words this morning. We're all big boys and girls. That's the plan. Systematic theology is where you, you sit down and say, this is the doctrine of Christ. This is our Christology. This is our doctrine of salvation. This is our soteriology. Whatever it is, you sit down and you work out a theology. Well, I'm not saying that's a waste of time, but I'm saying we, if we're supposed to be biblical, and as good evangelicals, we're supposed to be biblical, aren't we? Then I want the Bible to tell me what to believe. Not, actually, bless him, it's not John Calvin, because if you go back and read the originals, he's, he's, he's okay. It's the guys, the next generation of Calvinists that pushed it all the next stage. It's nearly always the same. The next generation don't quite represent what the first person said. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. How many times in the Bible do we see people being healed and not displaying any faith at all? Other times we see them displaying faith. When Jesus heals the woman caught in adultery, he doesn't say, well, you are a sinner, but this is grace. He says, you, you know, he says go, you're free. If no one condemns you, then neither do I. 
hang on. She's a woman caught in adultery. There's a whole load of questions around that passage, by the way. Because the Pharisees bring her, and, and they say, this is according to the law. And they accuse Jesus of breaking the law by letting her go. The law is that both the man and the woman will be brought. And where's the man? Where's the man? Some commentators wonder if he's a Pharisee. So they leave their mate behind. I don't know if that's true, and I'm not going to, you know, I won't swing for that one because I, I, you know, can't do. But go, I condemn. She's a sinner, but I do not condemn you. But go and sin no more. There's always that, but go and sin no more. But the, I do not condemn you comes before that. How much repentance is there in her? I can't see very much. How often do we see people healed? The ten lepers that are healed, and very few of them go and give thanks. at the, But they're still healed. Bob, Bob works in a high-security prison with a lot of the people in there are illegal aliens, and they've been in gangs. It's interesting, he was perfect for Mannenberg um, because he works with gangs and drug addicts and, and that's exactly what Pete and Sarah work with. They're doing a brilliant work, by the way. The flats that we enabled them to buy are just sorted and they've got amazing... The guys in there are just getting their lives sorted and it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, we'll tell you more about that in time. But Bob goes in and sees, and he's in a room with a whole load of gang leaders and drug addicts who are in there for multiple murders. So they're not just sinners. They're sinners! They know what it means. And he prayed for someone. The Lord gave him a word, and the Lord said, somebody's got back pain just in the left shoulder blade, blah, blah, blah. So Bob doesn't go, oh, it's the result of a shooting. And Bob's reaction to that is, yeah, right, because they're all. Anybody possibly been shot at is his opening sentence. <laughs> they all put their hands up. Anybody still got pain from that? That narrows it down by about half, that's all. And he said, okay, left shoulder blade, one guy. The worst guy in there. The one deepest into the whole thing. An unrepentant. And if he could get out, would do it again. He's not coming out. He's got you know, three or four life sentences to serve. So consecutively. Because you know, he's, he's that bad. So God, uh, Bob prays for him. Yeah. And the next thing, Bob is holding the piece of the bullet that's still in his shoulder. Well, it's not still in his shoulder, it's in Bob's hand. Bob literally has done that in Jesus' name. What's that? Does that guy deserve to be healed? That's how culture all over, isn't it? You don't get it if you don't deserve it. Wendy's had to help her mum fill in forms about, oh, what's it called? Carer allowance. Sorry? 
attendance allowance. If I was her mum and dad, I would have given up at the first of the 30-odd pages that needed filling in. The, you know, the attitude is, if you can't fill this in properly, you don't deserve it. Really? About the guys that can't read and write who need it and can't fill the forms in at all. Oh, it's their fault they haven't got a... Sorry. Sorry, wrong. When the, when the good Samaritan saw the guy on the road, did the guy on the road deserve it? Well, obviously the priest and the Levite didn't think so because they crossed over onto the other side. They didn't think the guy deserved it on the floor. But his sworn enemy, a Samaritan, thought he deserved it. Oh, and he left money for the guy's rehabilitation in the coming days when he wasn't there. He didn't come and check to see that it was spent properly. He just did it. A Samaritan. Those people don't do those things. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I did the thing with Cain this morning. When you know, Cain is the first, you know, the first big sinner. He's the first murderer. Yet God is on his case the whole time, talking to him, with him, protecting him, calling him back, saying, you can get back. But it, it's not God that leaves. It's Cain that walks away. Can we do what Wendy and I did this morning? Can you, you weren't there. Somebody was there this morning, you saw what, you do it. You weren't there, you were out. So <laughs> at least she knows what's coming. I didn't want to, yeah? So Cain, yeah? Turns her back on God. His back, her, her, their back on God. Her, right? And walks away. What does God do? Thank you. So as soon as she, and I'm tapping as well, as soon as she turns around, the Lord is there. Has the Lord left her presence? Is she experiencing the Lord's presence? No, because she's walking away. Thank you. The Lord is there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, it's him that's made it possible by his blood through the cross. Come on, we know the gospel. But it's not just for you and me, it's for anybody. If it's not for anybody, then when we go on mission and tell people God loves them, then we're lying. If we believe God only loves us because we're in Christ Jesus, if we believe God only loves us because we're doing the right things and being obedient in Christ Jesus, then when we go on mission and tell people God loves them, we don't actually mean it. This was the first morning of the first co of the conference. <laughs> I'm an hour in and I've texted Chris going, please pray for me, my brain is being fried. Because I'm sitting there going, I've taught that sin separates us from God. But it doesn't. And it doesn't. So I'm sitting in an old apartheid drinking hall, which is where Tree of Life meet. The place they meet is an old apartheid drinking hall. I call it a drinking hall, not a pub, because it was a place people went to get hammered. They, didn't, they went to drink. It wasn't a social place. It wasn't, they went to get hammered. So it's not the nicest of places. And they haven't got the money to do it up. 
Note to self, I used the toilets there once, try not to do it again, because <laughs> it's just the plumbing and everything's just there. But I'm sitting in the middle of this place going, oh, really? And you heard what I said this morning about finances and money and all that stuff. I'm sitting in there going, whoa, really? Lord, what's going on? What's this good boy from Hamisham doing in this place? Sometimes we need taken out of our comfort zone. Not, I'll be honest, not that Hamisham is my comfort zone, really. But we get taken out of our norm for God to go and poke us in the eye. You have to take your glasses off, otherwise it doesn't work. You know, so. <laughs> Did, yeah, we just... God, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Whether you're struggling, whether you're succeeding, whether you've got the money to pay the electricity bill at the end of the quarter, or whether financially you're going, how the heck am I going to survive? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's where I started this morning. Did Cain, I did, did Elijah. Talked about Peter. I love the one about Peter. Peter's a good lad. He's Jesus' right-hand man. He's there at Transfiguration. He gets out of the boat. He's the only one with the gumption to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Yet he denies him when push comes to shove. Big sin. And what's the first thing Jesus does? Post-resurrection, takes Peter for a walk. Has Peter's sin got between Jesus and Peter? No. Now, it would have stopped him leading the church, and Jesus restores him. But it doesn't stop him, doesn't stop Jesus coming into Peter's presence. Nothing we can do or say separates it from the love of God. Nothing we can face or fear separates us from the love of God. Nothing we can be in the middle of can separate us from the love of God. Is that good news? Now the invitation out on the mission field isn't, now sort yourself out and we can get you into church and everything will be fine. It's God loves you, all you've got to do is reach out. That's what we do, isn't it, when we do evangelism? But it's not actually what we do. But it is what we do. But it, do you see? These are the either-ors that are either-ors. And we can't say it's both here. Now, sin will stop us experiencing that presence. Will stop us experiencing that love. Kathy and I had a conversation the other day. Couple of nights ago, wasn't it? She said, Well, why didn't I get any revelation about? Doesn't matter what about. And I said, One, it's either sin or something stopping you. And you I think you said something like, I repented of everything I could think of. <laughs> I dealt with everything that was that I could possibly I said, or you don't need the revelation because it's already there. The principle we already know. We don't need more revelation because it's it's 
such clear biblical principle, we don't need revelation. Should we evangelize the world? Oh, hang on, let me ask the Lord. No, we've got clear instruction. That wasn't, it wasn't that one. No, Kathy wasn't being that. But we know. Should we give to the poor? Yes. After what I said this morning, should we ask the church for money? No. Because Abba provides, not people. Got a kicking from God, gentle and kind, for preaching on giving. Didn't have permission. And I, Jonathan asked him about it this morning. I won't go at length because that was a long one this morning. Jonathan and Jonathan asked him about it, those who were here. So here we come. I'm going to use a phrase that I know some people don't like, but I'm sorry. You might not like it, but it's true. We're all glory carriers. We're all glory carriers. Glory is the presence of God. Born again? Yeah? That means you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yes? That means Jesus lives in you. Hang on, do you mean Jesus lives in you or the Holy Spirit lives in you? Yes. Exactly. Do we all have a little portion of the Holy Spirit? Or does he live in all of us? The fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. And Jesus dwells in us. Therefore, the fullness of God dwells in us. Do we deserve that? No. Do you know what? We, here's another piece of systematic theology. We, I think we need to jettison somewhere along the line. God loves you. But we're all dirty, rotten sinners. No. God loves us. Despite the fact we are dirty, rotten sinners. God loves us. And it's the fact that we are sinners that means he's acted on his love for us. So we've got it back to front again, haven't we? When I heard this, guys, if you heard this this morning and you've, you're just going, oh, Laurie's kicking on on that one again. When I heard this, it, I had to stop and go, Lord, what have I been teaching? We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, absolutely. That's even earlier in the same flipping letter. That's in Romans 3. But that doesn't disqualify us from the love of God. But we are glory carriers. We carry him. And if we carry him, why are things not transformed around us as we move? You know what I've discovered happens to me a lot? And it happens to me a lot. And I'm not perfect by a long chalk, just to ask my wife. But I'm not perfect. I, can seem, I can seem to be able to irritate people in a public place by standing still and doing nothing. Somebody threatened to punch me on the plane coming home. 
because I'd happen to say, hang on, can we just be careful here? Then you go, no, actually, this is a spiritual thing. They're reacting to me, not to what I've said. Why do you think the community around us reacts so badly? Um, what's our architect called? Paul Southhouse. Paul Southhouse said after the first open meeting about surrounded, it's not the plans they don't like, it's you lot. Um, and what you stand for. And Paul's not a Christian, but Paul was being prophetic in that moment. But he's not a Christian, so we can't take it seriously. No, he can't be separated from the love of God, whether he knows it or not. It doesn't mean he's going to be saved yet. <laughs> but he can't be separated from the love of God. So how many times in Scripture is God... Oh. The more you look, the more you see God using people who are not spiritual <laughs> or Christians. The Holy Spirit does not come and go from us. He is present. We need to ask the Lord to shape our desires. If he dwells in us. Matthew 6, 33. Does anybody know what that says? Any version will do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and you might get a little blessing on the... Oh, no, sorry, what is it? All these things will be added unto you. I think I'm quoting a song at this point. But <laughs> seek ye first the kingdom... Why am I quoting the AV? I've never read the AV in my life. But anyway, never mind. Seek ye first the kingdom... It's a song, isn't it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Do we really seek first the kingdom of God? Or do we seek our security in? Or do we seek our security in God? Do we seek our security in our homes? Do we seek our security in our education? Do we seek... Come on, I've been there so many times. Seek you for... We need to ask the Lord to shape our desires. And I want to encourage you to do that tonight. Preach the right sermon, Lord. We need to actively be in his presence. As I said to you this morning, the Lord said to me, we need as a fellowship to go large. Have we got less money in the bank? Who cares? Sorry. We'll pay our share, don't worry. I promise. Always will. But who cares? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. So the Lord's saying, go large, let's go large. Let's go large. Let's go for the big thing. That's where I'm going. And I'm asking you to come with me. That's where Wendy and I are going. We're going to go large. We're going to take some decisions that don't look sensible. Because they're kingdom decisions, not worldly decisions. I shared that this morning. Bob, one of the things Bob said was every good idea is from Satan. Because if it's a worldly idea, it's demonic. And that's Peter, isn't it? His heart to Jesus when he says, oh, you, it's all going to go, uh, it's a loving heart. And Jesus says to him, get, 
you have in, thing, in mind the things of man? Then get behind me, Satan. All the worldly ideas, all the worldly structures, all the worldly processed things, ultimately are demon used by the demonic. We're going to go large, or not go at all. Can we have Acts 3 up? Oh, this is the passage I'm supposed to be preaching on tonight. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, that's an inconvenient time to have a service, isn't it? It's ridiculous. As Kathy's word said this morning, we've got to put down our entitlements. We really have got to. Oh, the, the early I did an early service for a friend of mine in Cape Town. Who, who does worship at half past seven in the morning? It's just stupid. I mean, eight o'clock's bad enough, but half past seven, blah, blah, blah. And their main morning service is at nine o'clock. It's their pattern, isn't it? Our man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Hold there for a moment. This man's been lame from birth. He cannot work. His job, his way of earning a living, is to beg at the temple courts, at the gate called Beautiful. And somebody very kindly plops him down in his space, He's probably been there for years, if not decades. He's known. Thank you. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Now, for him, for the man, this is going to be a weird thing, because most people are just going to go, no, 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 and not look, because they feel embarrassed not giving him anything. No, 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 no. But they look straight at him. Eyeball to eye. When anybody eyeballs you, it's quite... You ever sat on the tube and somebody looks straight at you? You panic, don't you? Oh, no, he's going to talk to me. Oh, no. I hope he's not one of those weird Christians who's going to tell me about Jesus. You know. uh, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. Peter's looking straight at him. Obviously, the man is uncomfortable. Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something. And Peter, and said, Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. Please, Lord, could you make this man be healed, possibly, if it's okay, if it's your will, and maybe we can ask for healing here, and maybe he might walk. Shall we pray, isn't it? Shall we pray for healing? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Commands for healing. Peter knows. Peter knows who he is. He knows it's in the name of Jesus. He knows it's Jesus that's going to do it. But he also knows he, Peter, can change what is going on in front of him. Because Jesus wants it changed. Not because Peter wants it changed. This man's been there for years. Why, why does Peter bother with him today? Why didn't he bother him with him the day before or the week before? But he bothers with him this day. Clearly there's something happened where Jesus has got Peter to look and to see. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, 
the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. It's awesome, isn't it? We've got two more verses, haven't we? When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit. Interesting phrase. This is only a few moments after it's happened, but this is the man that used to sit. So they've recognized he's not there now. Who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Both those words seem positive, but they're not. The actual Greek underneath it, they were, f- they were filled with wonder and confusion. It's not wow and oh, it's wow and what? So there is a wow, but there's also a what? This doesn't happen. At what had happened to him. Peter and John see an opportunity. This man's in a real straight state. And if he'd been born lame, the prevailing theology was that he was cursed. Because he was born lame. Hopefully we've learned not to do that. But have we? Is there a residual thing underneath? If somebody's born with a physical problem do we see the family as cursed somehow or what could they have done differently this man that's why he's outside the temple that's why he's begging this man should be inside the flipping temple and the people in the temple should be taking care of him even if they're not praying for healing for him at least he should be inside the temple being looked after because when people need it we look after them don't we You're going to walk past the big issue seller next time in the middle of Amersham? Does she need it? Or somebody else's problem? She's just being lazy. She could work if she wanted to. Do you know her story? Have you stopped to talk to her? A couple of you have, I know. Do we believe in unconditional love or not? Does God love us unconditionally? There's another reason that nothing can separate us from the love of God, because it's unconditional. I keep piling up the reasons without meaning to, to reinforce that one. Yet when we love each other, it's nearly always conditional. I'll love you when. I'll love them if. They're being horrible to me. Yeah, sorry, you've still got to love them. Somebody said to me while I was away, please don't be offended at this. Well, it's okay for you. You've only got to love your congregation. You don't have to like them. Which I thought was a bit rude, because they didn't know you lot anyway. (laughs) But it's true. When there's an awkward personage in the pew somewhere, you've still got to love them. Another person in church that really, really winds you up, you try and, don't they always come and sit next to you? Don't they always come and try and talk to you? Alice, forgive Denise for sitting next to you, it's fine. 
But do you see what I'm trying to get, get at here? If we're going to love the way God loves, it's unconditional. I couldn't love that person. They're too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too old, too... You heard the word I didn't say there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you weren't looking up, don't worry. But it's garbage, isn't it? So that's garbage. I could never marry somebody who wears glasses. Well, when, when he didn't marry somebody who wears glasses. When he didn't want to marry someone who was going to be a vicar. She married a school teacher. Bless her. <laughs> that went wrong quite quickly, didn't it? <laughs> I did warn you on our first date. I did warn you that I was being caught. Strange first date when the first thing you, you find coming out of your mouth is, I think I'm being called to be a vicar. There you go. Or church leader, I don't think I knew which church at that point, but anyway. Hmm. What does the guy do? He asks them for money because that's what he needs. But they gave him what, he, what they had. Sometimes we can't give what we haven't got, but we give them what, they, what we have got. The problem we've got in Amersham, if this was you know, two people from Cheshire Boys going up to church to pray and they saw somebody begging, we have the wherewithal to give. So we would have just given them the money. Because we have it. And they would have missed out on being healed. Da. So easy for us to do mission, isn't it? We just give them the money and let them do it. Sorry, mission partners. No. We partner with them. We're supposed to be there doing it. Healing is commanded, not requested. The man's response is to revel in his healing. He indulges in his healing. He jumps and he dances and he runs. A man born lame runs and jumps. He's not just been enabled to walk a little bit. He's been fully restored. And the people are confused and amazed. The passage goes on when Peter tells them about Jesus. He says to them, all you who are confused and amazed, this is about Jesus. The one you've just killed. Peter doesn't hold back. If you look at the next, we're not going into there, but if you look, he doesn't hold back. Each of us are going to have areas in our life where we're sitting at the gate called beautiful. And we're begging. We're begging for something to change. I'm not saying we're begging for money, though for some of us that might be an issue. Am I going to get enough work this month? Will I be able to pay my rent? Will I be able to pay my bills? That might be an issue for us. If I overstretch myself on the mortgage, now interest rates are going up. 
don't know about you, Lord, but I grew up in an age when interest rates reached 18% and inflation was running at 28%. I'm not worried at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> when we bought our first house, the, the, the interest rate was 18%, I think, on the mortgage. And I thought we were doing quite well. You know, when it dropped to 2%, it's like, how, how did that happen? I mean, we're in clover. Oh, it soared to 10%. What? Get some perspective. Doesn't mean we're not struggling. Where are you sitting and begging? And I believe tonight, Jesus is walking past you. And he's actually saying to you, will you look at me? Will you look at me? This is what I have, and I'm going to give it to you. And he's going to have something different for each of you. And it's going to be the breakthrough into whatever it is. But I really believe it's not what you think it's going to be. So if you need money, you're going to get healing. <laughs> if you need healing, you're going to get money. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be, it's God-shaped, not us-shaped. John is going to lead us in worship. We don't need to come into his presence. We need to acknowledge that we are in his presence. And we need to open our eyes in his presence. We need to open our ears in his presence. It's really weird, isn't it? Because some of this is very conservative teaching. We're in his presence. We don't need. That's... But the next bit is now engage in that presence. <laughs> now hear, listen, feel, touch, taste. That's not such conservative teaching. But engage with the Lord. And tell him where you're begging. Tell him where you're begging. How long have you been begging for your husband to come to faith? How long have you been begging for? Tell him where you're begging. And then look him square in the face. And let him tell you what he's going to give you. Can I encourage you if you are on prayer team here? You have a word for someone, just go, go minister it. If you think you've got a word for all of us, come and see me. Um, I'll grab Wendy, or die. But let's engage with the Lord. At the gate, beautiful. And come from the place of pauper who is begging to son or daughter who is receiving unconditionally. Because you know what? Nothing can separate you from the love of God.